0: Pashas Lech contains two psukim, which, at first glance, they seem very innocent, almost mundane, but it turns out that these two are at the heart of a tremendous controversy, a tremendous theological debate that touches on some of the most fundamental religious beliefs of Judaism. First pasuk, it says Avram emigrated to Eretz Canaan, it says Avram Avram passed through the land Elon Mora. and the Canaanite, the Canaanite people was then residing in the land 1 pasuk 2nd pasuk similar pasuk appears a little bit later in the Pasha. it says that there was a quarrel between Lot there was a quarrel between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot, the shepherds of the cattle of Avram, and the shepherds of the cattle of Lot, and back then, at that time, the Knani and the Prizi people, they were the ones who were residents in the land. Both these took him. There are two questions, two, two problems we have to deal with. One is the classic question in Parshana Samikra. What is the significance of these Tsukim? Why is the Torah telling us this information in these particular contexts? Lots of people lived in lots of places back at back at that time. But what is the connection to the specific narratives in these two Psukim, Avram traveling through the land and the quarrel between Avram and Lot? What is the connection between the Kanani and the Prizi living in the land and those narratives? The second question, which is going to be our focus tonight, is that the Kanani; the Then they were in the land, as opposed to when the Torah was given at Har Sinai. The Kanani and Prizi most certainly still lived in the land. The Kanani certainly still lived in the land at that time. The Kanani lived there until they were annihilated by Yoshua and the Benei Israel at the end of the at the end of the forty years in the desert, where the Jews entered the beginning of Sefer Yoshua. They entered Eretz Canaan, and they annihilated the people who lived there. That was when there were no more Canaanim in the land, and it didn't even happen all at once. They let some people still live there, but, but there most certainly were Canaanite people there when the Torah was given. So what do you mean that by Canaanite, us, us, then, as opposed to when? Of course the Canaanite were in the arts then. They, they still were now, in the time of Matan Torah. So was, what does the word then mean? This question is going to lead to some tremendous theological controversy. De- so the Mepharsham, of course, deal with both these questions, often together. On uh, the first pasuk of Avram traveled through Eretz Canaan, Vaknani Ozbaretz, Rashi de- addresses both questions. Rashi says that the land had initially belonged to Zerah of Shem, to the descendants of Shem. In last week's Pasha when they left the Teva, so Rashi, citing Midrashim, apparently says that the, that, that Noach allocated the entire world, or at least some of the world, to his, uh, to his children, and Eretz Canaan fell to the lot of Shame, Malki Tzedek Melech Shalem. That uh, Malki was, uh, was was the king of Shalem, the king of Jerusalem. So re- really, Eretz Canaan belonged to uh, belonged to the initially to B'nai Shame, but the Canaanite people who came from Ham, as we discussed last week, the Canaanite people had been had been conquering and capturing Eretz Canaan from the descendants of Shame. And that's why Hashem told Avram, I'm going to give your descendants this land, I'm going to give it back to you. You were the initial owners of the land. And therefore Rashi is addressing both questions. What's the significance that that, that Hashem is going to promise Avram he's going to give him the land, he meant even though Aknani ozbarets, the Kanani were only recently ozbarets. The land legitimately belonged to Avram; it had been given to Avram's ancestor Shem by Noach. And Hashem was saying, right now, unfortunately, right now, the Kananites have, have have taken the land, but ultimately you're going to get it back because it originally was yours. Ibn Ezra says, Aknani also says Aknani ozbarets that they had captured oz means then, as opposed to earlier, that they had recently cap- captured at some point from somebody else. That's what uz means. Vim einenukein Ibn Ezra says. If that's not what it means, if uz does not mean like Rashi that they init- that they that they had captured from someone else, that it had initially belonged to someone else, then sod, Then there is a, a a mystery, a secret in this parasha. The Hamaskal Yidom and those who understand the enlightened one should be silent. They should not reveal the mystery. What is the mystery? That's going to be the subject of our share. We will return to that later. Radak says that knaniyaz baretz means that the, that the that the connection to the story is that Hashem, that Hashem did a great chesed for Avram. Avram was traveling with a heavy footprint. He had mikneh rav maod. He had a lot of cattle. He, he he would have been a drain on the local resources. And, and the knaniyaz and the the knanim were there. They, they weren't friends of Avram. potentially they could have been quite upset at Avram for bringing his whole his whole uh, cattle operation through the land, uh, the, the, you're taking out resources. Even though Canani Osbaretz, the, the Hashem ensured that nobody started up with Avram. Or he says that he brings the other Pshat, Rashi's Pshat, that Osbaretz means they were only recently in the land, they had initially initially belonged to someone else, that's the other Pshat, Malkit Tzedek, Melech Sholein, that he was Shem Ben-Noach, meaning that and the Knani had not yet captured, they had captured other cities in, in, in the land of Canaan. Okay, these are various approaches of the Rishonim to, the, to, to these two questions. What's the connection of Aknani Oz Ba'aretz to Pashas Lech in general, to Avram's sojourn through Eretz Canaan? And what does the word Oz mean? Either Oz means he had captured it recently, or we have the Radak's Pshat, that even though they were there, they left Avram alone. Or we have a so, Deben Ezra says, which he's not going to tell you, and, uh, and, and those who do know, he requests their silence, the Hamaskil Yidom. Those who understand it should remain silent. What about the other parts? Vakanani Uz Yoshe Baretz? Again, what's the connection to the quarrel of the Kanani and the Prizi living in Eretz Kanan to the quarrel between the shepherds of Avram and Lot? And what does Uz mean? So Rashi again deals with both these questions. Rashi says, What was the quarrel about? Torah doesn't really say. What were they arguing about? So again, Rashi brings a midrash that says it wasn't a quarrel where they actually were, were bothering each other. The quarrel was that Lot shepherds were Rishon. They didn't care about private property. They were happy to steal from privately owned fields to pasture their, their cattle there and steal the resources of the owners of the fields. This didn't directly hurt Avram and his shepherds. It wasn't their fields; They didn't own fields there. But Avram's shepherds uh, stood up for principle. They said, this is not right. It's gazzled. You can't do this. They reproved they them for, for theft. And the, the Roam of Lot answered, what theft? He said, the land is being given to Avram. Avram has no heir, Yitzchak was not yet born. Lot, uh, Yishmael was not yet born, Yitzhak was not yet born. Avram has no heir. Lot, his nephew, is going to be his heir. It's not Gezel, because we're, we're in the line of succession, so it's not Gezel. And that's why the Torah explains that Lot's shepherds were wrong. This was uh, sophistry, perhaps, but this is, this is not a legitimate uh, defense because the Kanani vaprizi, Uz Yoshibarets, back then there were Kanani and Prizi there. That's why it's relevant, because it's, it's explaining why Lot's people were wrong in the quarrel. And that's what it means by us eventually they won't be there anymore. Yes, eventually the land will go to Avram, or to Avram's heirs. But right now, back then, Oz Yosheh arts. So, Oz so means as opposed to Lost in Lavo, as opposed to hundreds of years in the future, where the Jews would inherit, uh, and, and yes, that was the argument of Lot's people, that since Avram's heirs will inherit it in the future, therefore, therefore it's not theft. But the Torah says, no, they were wrong, because Oz at that time still, Akhnani Yosheh arts. The the, the, the ben Ezra says, aprizi kireyo. He says it's in the, it, it, ha, it should be interpreted the same way as the earlier verse, which either means they conquered it from someone else, he said, uh, at some point in the past, or, or there's a sood, which uh, he's not telling you what it is. The Bechar Shar also often explains with Derek Habshah, Shar says, what's the relevance of this Pasuk, to the quarrel of Lot? He says, you might have a problem, he says. Eretz Israel, a wonderful land couldn't support two people, even rich people, two families, two people, the land couldn't support. says, so, no, they were not the only ones there. Reckonite of Apresia's were there. It was an inhabited land. It wasn't just uh, a Garden of Eden, free for the taking. There were people who lived there. That's why the, there wasn't enough, there weren't enough resources to go around, because there were, there, there were locals who lived there. And that's why there wasn't enough for Avram and Lot, and that's why they ended up quarreling. The Ramban the Ramban has a uh, discussion, he brings the Pshat of Rashi in the Midrash, that the quarrel was not about their, uh, they weren't, that Avram wasn't directly being injured by Lot, it was just a question of standing up for, for right and for, for justice. al HaPshat, the Ramban says, no, the quarrel was about Mira. There simply weren't enough resources to go around, they both had cattle, and, the, and, they, were, and they were taken from each other, and that's, why they, and that's why they were arguing. What does it have to do with Canaan of Aprizi, he says, Avram was concerned, so Bukhar Shar said, it's just explaining why there wasn't enough to go around, because other people live there as well. Rambanet brings a different shot. Avram was afraid that if, if the news of their quarrel spreads and people realize that, oh boy, they're fighting because they have so much stuff that they don't, enough, they don't have enough pasture land, that would draw, that would draw unwanted attention to their, uh, to their wealth, to their resources of sheep and cattle, and people would, would attack them to steal their sheep. Hey, look at all the sheep they have. We can have those sheep. Let's kill Avram and load and take the sheep for ourselves, and uh, and that, that that that's one shot. He says there there, there 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 There's another shot that they were afraid that the other he shot him say they were afraid that the, they would kill them because because they were taking stuff from the they were t- because because they were taking stuff from the fields. They would say who that the, the, the this is the shot. Also, the Ramban brings this as well. He would say that either they would. Kill them in order, in order to uh, to take their to take their stuff, or they would, uh, or they or I believe he says, right, either he says they would chase them out so they shouldn't uh, deplete the local resources, or they would just attack them so they could steal their sheep, their cattle. One of those, either that's that, that, that's the connection. with connection is the That that's why Avram was particularly sensitive to to the local to to to, to, the, to them having a public quarrel because the quarrel itself maybe may was tolerable. But if the quarrel would come to the ears of the of the of the local inhabitants, they they might have uh, very undesirable repercussions. That's why Avram didn't want Avram wanted to keep things calm and avoid quarrel because it could lead to it could lead to trouble from the from the locals. Ibn Ezra says that there is a sod that, that possibly says when it says us oh, in these him, there's a sod and if and the sod has to be secret and the yidom, the maskil should. Not reveal the sod. What is the sod? So the sod apparently the Ben discusses in a little more detail in his pirush on Sefer Dvar, very, the very beginning of the parsha. Achad yom mehare of derechar seir. So Ben discusses what exactly the pasuk is telling you about the about the, the time the time it takes to uh, the the, the, at the time it takes to travel on this on this journey, and then he has a a famous a very famous and very mysterious comment. He says, Vim Tovin Sod Hashnemasar, if you understand the secret of the Twelve, Gam Vajtoh Moshe, Vaknanias Baaretz, if you understand the secret of the, of the of the twelve, and also of the pasuk Moshe wrote, and also the Pasuk of Vaknanias Baaretz and parsha, and also the Pasuk of Bahar Shem Yeh at the story of the Akedah, I think, the Gam Hine Arso Barzel. In in environment, again, it talks about the size of Og's cradle, of Og's bed. If you understand the secret of the twelve and the secret of all these psukim, including the Knanias the this reference to Sod again, then Taker HaEmes, you will understand the truth. What is the secret? Once again, he is not telling you. Once again, he's not telling you what the Sod is. So, if you understand a certain secret which is manifest in a number of psukim, then you will know some hidden and mysterious truth. What is the secret? What is the mysterious truth? And what on earth is the twelve? Twelve of what? Well, what is twelve? So there have been a variety of theories as to what exactly the twelve is. But perhaps the most popular explanation, the most, uh, perhaps the most straightforward explanation, to the extent that any of them are straightforward, is that the twelve refers to the last twelve psukkim of the Torah. The very last Perik in the Torah, I mean, we, we Jews, we, we, we were not the ones to, to compose the Prakim, to organize the Torah into Prakim, but the last 12 Pesukim in the Torah, which happens to be called Perik Lamedalad, is a, is a description of the death of Moshe. Moshe doesn't actually die until the 8th to last Pesukim of the Torah. The Gemara we'll see soon refers to the last 8th Psukim of the Torah, but the, the last narrative refers generally to Moshe's death. It says Hashem took him to the, the mountain where he could see her it's Canaan and was told once again he could not enter. And then he died, and then, uh, and then he was buried, and the Torah says there was nobody like Moshe. The last 12 psukim of the Torah deal with Moshe's death. If you look at Ibn Ezra on those psukim, he says, Vayal Moshe, Lefi Daiti. The problem here is who wrote those psukim? Moshe was dead, or he would soon be dead, so how, would he, how was he writing after he was dead, and how could he write factual events that had not yet occurred if he wrote them while he was still alive? Says Ibn Ezra, Lefi Daiti, Kimizeh Pasa Kasa of Yoshua. From, from the, the last twelve Pesukim of the Torah, from the 12th to last pasuk, was written by Yeshua after Moshe had died, because after Moshe had ascended, uh, after Moshe went to the mountain, he wasn't writing anymore, even if he was still alive, after he had gone up to the mountain, he was, he was done. He wasn't writing anymore Torah, the Bnezzar assumes. And B'derek, and he says, Yeshua wrote it to Bederach Nevuah Kasvot. Yeshua wrote it. Yeshua wrote it with Nevuah, and, uh, and, and so on. So, Ibn Ezra says the last 12 Sukkim of the Torah were not written by Moshe. Moshe wrote almost all the Torah. The last 12 Sukkim were written by Yahushua. A number of Mefarshim are very unhappy with this, Ibn Ezra. Rabbeinu the Arachayim HaKadosh, they say this is a terrible thing to say. The, Rabbeinu, that the Rabbeinu Bachia says, he says that Rabbeinu Ezra writes that Yahushua wrote this. And he says, you know, he's bothered by this question, how could Moshe have written about his own death and burial? Says, Rebbeinu Bachya, Ezra is wrong, E'no emes, Ain perusha He says the correct thing to believe, and the, the true Mesorah, he says, Moshe wrote the entire Torah from Bereshus until Leinei Kol Yisrael. Everything was Moshe, Mipi from Hashem Yisbarach. Moshe was simply like, uh, like a scribe who copies from an earlier work, Ospa Osp Moshe was that there was nothing that was just uh, improvised that people were just making stuff up even true stuff everything was simply Moshe copying faithfully from from what Hashem told him that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir in the Gemara that uh, that it can't be Moshe must have written the entire Torah Kosh almer, Moshe, Moshe wrote the entire Torah and the Ben Ezra should not have said what he said says the Rebbe Bachya, I the Ben Ezra's question. How can Moshe write, Vayim HaShem, Moshe, Ever Hashem? And he was buried? He's still alive. How can he write, he died and was buried? Says Ibn Ezra, he was a Navi. A Navi can write what will happen in the future. He says, if you look at Pashat Sazinu, Moshe also wrote, uh, Hashem saw what the Jewish people did, the sins they'll eventually do, Vayinat, he became angry at his children. Moshe writes the Shireh Sazinu in the past tense, that, that, that he writes about future events that would unfold in the history of Klal Yisrael. He writes, they happened already. He means they would happen. These were events that occurred in the Bayis Rishon, the time of the first temple. Many took him in the Navi. Many of point this out, that the Derek of Naviim is to write about future events in the past tense because the Navi has such clarity, has such conviction that this is what will happen because God told him. He can write about it as though it happened already because it's, uh, it's, it's just a matter of time. So all the Naviim are Noag and Minachazet, They write the future events in the past. So Moshe wrote it. And the fact that, the fact that he wrote about future events in the past tense is fine because that's how nevuah works, and it's no problem. So, so Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar str- strongly rejects what Ibn Ezra says, and he writes that, that, that it's not correct, and we piaq Kabbalah, he says, from the Kabbalah hamitis, according to the true Mesorah, Moshe wrote the entire Torah. Similarly, the Arachayim HaKadosh, says that the, Ibn Ezra, that, he, that he says, that, that who wrote this? He says that Moshe wrote the whole thing, including the last 12 psalk. I saw, he says, Ibn Ezra wrote, that Yeshua wrote the last section of the Torah. He says, "Ain lichtov k'edvarim ha'ela It's not appropriate to write such things. In Pashup him to write such a provocative thing, you shouldn't write that way. That you shouldn't write that Moshe didn't finish the Sefer, he says. Why shouldn't you write such things? Because it leads to terrible problems, he says. I heard, he says, people, Jewish people, who are getting very confused, he says, and they're, and they're ending up with cursus and denial of the Torah. And this is what the Ga'im the say, he says, that some of them concede that, that, that we Jews had an authentic Torah, but we, we altered it and uh, we distorted it to, 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 have, to have fiction in it, he says. Chas v'shalom, yishtaka dvaram v'domeyam, he says. And ha'ikr, we should accept, is shekala sefer Torah, kusva Moshe. Moshe wrote the entire sefer Torah. And again, he refers to the Maran Baba Bastra that says that Moshe wrote the whole sefer Torah. So neither, so, so neither the Rebbeinah Bachein nor the Arachayim likes what Ezra says. And they both refer to the Gemara, to a Gemara that says Moshe wrote the entire Sefer Torah, including these last few psukim that refer to his death. The problem is that they're not telling you the whole story. Because Chazal brought two opinions. Chazal have two opinions as to who wrote the last psukim of the Torah. One opinion indeed is Moshe wrote them himself. Another opinion is that Yeshua wrote them. The Chazal don't talk about the last 12 psukim. Chazal talk about the last 8 psukim. But, for our purposes, it doesn't matter. If you're in for a penny and for a pound, if you're agreeing that, that that Yeshua could have written the last 8 psukim, it's not theologically much more problematic to say he wrote 12 psukim. That's, that's not the issue. There is an explicit opinion in the Gemara, the Gemara Menachos, that says that Yeshua wrote the last section of the Torah. The Gemara Menachos says that the HaShem Moshe Evert Ef Moshe Chai can, can 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 it be that Moshe was alive and he wrote words that said, of Yemesh Moshe? Ela, Adkan, Kasaf Moshe, Mikan, Vela, Kasaf Yoshua ben Nun. Different Rabbi Yud, Armelor, Rabbi Nechemya. So Rabbi Yud and Rabbi Nechemya say pretty much exactly what Ibn Ezra says, 8th Sukkim, 12th Sukkim, but they say that the last section of the Torah was written by Yoshua, exactly what Ibn Ezra says. Armelor, Rabbi Shimon, it can't be. After Efshasefet Torah, Chasar, Ozacha, Sukkiv, Lakoch, Seferet Torah, Azev, Ozamtimoto, absolutely not. Moshe wrote the entire Torah. So Rabbi Shimon goes on to say, yes, or that that he that that Rabbi that Moshe wrote the entire Torah. So Rabbi Nobachia and Arachaim are correct that there is such a sheet in the Gemara. But you can't say that that it's somehow eno Emes and Nachon. You can certainly can't say it's heretical to simply, to simply espouse the doctrine that the Gemara brings. The Gemara doesn't object to it. I Some Tanam say one way, some say the other way. The Gemara has no. Uh, the, the, the later Chacham don't say that the first sheet is actually heresy or anything. Okay, see, you might feel that the halacha, that the ikur is like the second shita, but Ibn Ezra is in very good company. He's simply, he's simply adapting the opinion of the of the first opinion of the of the, of the b'risa. And the truth is, if you read our Dar- carefully, he doesn't say that what the Ibn Ezra says is is, is fundamentally uh, heretical or, or problematic. The the language of the Arachayim is, he says, he shouldn't write such things in the pashtek Meaning, it, it's dangerous to say such things. This, some some things are too explosive that they can lead to. Pra- Why shouldn't you say it? Not because it's heresy, he says, because some people get confused and, and they end and they end up with uh, and they they end up, as a result they may be guilty of heresy. This itself is not heresy, apparently. But once you open the door, once you open the Pandora's box of allowing the idea that certain psukim maybe were written by Yeshua, that leads to heresy. So the kind of, they may very well have accepted in principle that whatever Ezra says is not. In any way heretical or, or particularly problematic, but you shouldn't write such things, he says, because it leads people to heresy, and, and that's what the Ga'anim say. He says that the Ga'anim say that we distorted the Torah. Once we start conceding that there was that, that certain parts of the Torah were post-Mosaic, that can lead to the other things the Ga'anim say. So our Chaim's objections are not in principle that Abin is saying something necessarily that's so problematic. He says that you shouldn't write such things because because it, it, it leads to it, it leads to bad things, and some things are better left unsaid. But again, what Ibn Ezra is saying seems to be an explicit opinion of the Gemara, in, of one opinion brought by the Gemara. Now, going back to our Ibn Ezra about the Sod in the beginning of Dvarim and an Arpasha, the Sod of Akhenani Asbarat. So, as I said, the, the, the most popular, probably the, the most straightforward understanding of what the Ibn Ezra meant by the Sod of the Shnei Asar is he meant the secret of the last 12 Sukkim of the Torah. It's interesting, he himself tells you exactly what he thinks about the last 12 psukkim of the Torah. He, does. He, makes, he makes no attempt to hide it. He just says, I think, in my opinion, it was written by Yoshua. But someone argued that's what he meant by the Soda, the Shnei Masar, that those 12 psukkim were post-Mosaic, were added after Moshe Rabbeinu. And then he quotes a bunch of other psukim, including Arpasikov, Akhnani, Ozbaaretz. Again, Akhnani, Ozbaaretz sounds like an anachronism. Unless you say it means that, that they had conquered it from another people, and "uz" means then as opposed to earlier... If uz means then as opposed to now, then that means that that, that pasach was written at a time where there no longer were Canaanim Barats, like sometime in the middle of Bayez Rishon, where there were no longer any Canaanim. So if we interpret that Canaanim in, in, uz Barats in the most straightforward way, that it's, it's, it's a it's an explanatory gloss. So You're reading the Torah, you live in the time of King Yoshafat, and you see that, that Avram is traveling through the land. And you think to yourself, oh, you mean Jews live there like today? No, no, Zakhnani Yasbarat. back then there were people called K'nanim and they haven't been there for a while, but back then there were the people called Knanim and they lived in the land. That's the suggestion to Benezar, saying, if that's the Pshat, then that's a sode. then people a mask yidom people shouldn't go around revealing this to people, similar to what Tarakhaim says, that that letting people know that there was that there are layers to the Torah and that certain verses were added later. Can lead obviously to people going too far and rejecting uh, all kinds of elements of Torah Messinai. and therefore Abin Ezra says we should keep this quiet. Why he told you straight out about the last twelve psukim of the Torah, maybe about Yeshua, it's not so bad because that was right after that was right after that was right after Moshe died. But Eich She'iyah, this is probably the most uh, straightforward way to understand the Abin that it's referring to the last twelve psukim of the Torah as well as a number of other psukim that he believes are anachronisms and therefore written later, that the, some circum in the Torah were added later to clarify things in the Torah. This, this pshat was already proposed in the medieval period. This pshat in the Benezra was already suggested by, in the medieval period by Rabbi Yosef Tov Elam. There were several Rishon by that name. This is the, the, Spanish, the Spanish Rishon called Rabbi Yosef Tov Elam, who wrote one of the earliest and one of the most uh, important super commentaries on the Benezra. I had a friend who told me once, that he had a friend, I believe, whose hobby was connecting, collecting commentaries on the Benezra, collecting super-commentaries to the Benezra. And he had, I think, hundreds of them, I think 400 or something he had collected. Because the Benezra is so cryptic and so mysterious sometimes that it needs lots of uh, super-commentaries to explain it. So, for Yosef Tov Elam, it's called the Tzafras Paneach, the, the Revealer of Hidden Things, was one of the earliest of the super-commentaries, one of the most important of the early, and, and earliest of the great super-commentaries to the Benezra. And he explains the Benezra this way. He says, this is what a Ezra means. The Soda, the Shnei Masar, refers to the post-Mosaic nature of the last 12 psikkim of the Torah and a handful of other psukim. he says, including K'navach, And he says And he says, that's what it means. He says, what about the, Torah, the, the fact that Torah itself admonishes us Lo Los I love the Torah I'm giving you. Do not add to it. So we have a couple of explanations. One of them is he says when the Torah says lo sosif, don't add. It means don't add mitzvahs. So the the halacha of the Torah, the law of the Torah, is complete, and you shouldn't modify the law. But to add to the narrative sections, to uh, to just just to clarify, and also we things that you know mipi misori says not just to make stuff up, but to add things that we have a kabbalah on that were Tara peh until now to put them into uh, to the turret to clarify. That's not Baltos, he says. That, uh, he says, p- p- people knew these things, that Canani uh, Ozbarat, they knew that there were Kananim in the land, and later, later Navian wrote it. They, they wrote it, Nevua he says. What does it matter, he says. He says, we have to believe in the, the Kabbalah, and different navua anyway, he says. Who cares if Moshe wrote it, or if another Navi wrote it? They're all Amis, and they're all Nevua We're not talking about just modern people, uh, Engage, engaging in writing their own literature. They, they were neviim who were reporting stuff that they knew. B'mesorah with nevuah. So what's the big deal? Whether it was given to Hashem and Moshe at the time, or it was received later. It was, it was, it was kept by or by It's all, it's all Torah. It's all Amos. And Baltosif is limited to, Baltosiv is limited to the law. Ta'alach he says, mitzvah mitzvahs it doesn't apply to narrative sections. He says that's why we find in the Septuagint, when the zakenim translated the Torah for King Talmi for Talmi they changed certain things. How are you allowed to change the Torah? He says, because, uh, because it, you're allowed to, he says. that If it's, if it's not a mitzvah, if it's just uh, clarifying a narrative, you're allowed to make changes to the Torah. That's not called a change. What about the Gemara, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, where it discusses heresy and dogma? The Gemara and Sanhedrin says that if, that if, that if you say the Torah is not that, that the, the Gemara says that a person who says uh, that, that a person who says that Kidvarashambaza, Hashem someone who has, someone who has despised the word of Hashem, mitzvah so heifer, hikaris that's the one who says, Torah is not menah that's a brisa. another brisa says, how far does that go? Even if you say the whole Torah is divine, except for one pasuk, that Hashem didn't say, and then Moshe said himself, that's Kittvar Hashem even the whole Torah, except for one diktuk, one kalvachomer, one zera shava, if you reject any of the Torah as being not divine, that is kedvare Shambaza, That is heresy. Rambam famously codified this as the eighth of his tw- tw- of his thirteen principles of faith. The yisod hashmini in, in perichelik. We have to believe the entire Torah was given to us Sinai, That uh, that that if you believe Moshe added anything, it doesn't matter. Even the narrative sections. Even even, even relatively trivial sounding psukim like bnei cham kushim Mitzrayim wifut Khanan, b'shem ishto mehei tavel bas matred. Even these relatively minor seeming psukim, there's no difference between them and the most theologically, religiously important psukim, like Enochia Shemelokecha, Yisrael Hashem Hashem achad, It's all piagvura. it's all Torah it's all Torah Kadosha, it's all MS. And if you say that anything is it, Moshe added himself, if you say that uh, Moshe added a Mipiyatzmo, that is Varashem So the the Gemara says, the Rambam says, that it's epicursus to say that. Uh, that at some parts of the Torah were added later. Says, Rabbi Yosef Tov elam, when the Gemara says, you can't say that Moshe added anything, he says, again, that's limited to mitzvahs. Rambam didn't understand like that. Rambam understood that it applies even to Pesukim like, there's no difference between a, Hashem Hashem achad, and Vishem ishto mehetav tavel or, uh, or b'tim na ha'isap ilagish. Those are clearly not mitzvahs, those are narrative sections, and yet the, the Rambam clearly indicates that that's subject to the heresy of saying Torah is not b'shemayim, Biotr Tavallam disagrees, He's explaining Ibn Ezra, he says, no, nope. the, the, the heresy of Kidvara HaShem Baza, of saying Torah is not Shemayim is limited to mitzvahs, it does not apply to these narrative sections. He says, what he, he, says what, he makes the point we said earlier, he says, the Gemara itself says this, the self itself says, Rabbi or Rabbi Nechemia said, the last him of the Torah were written, were written by Yeshua, he says. So then, uh, so then, so, so what's, what's, the, what's the issue he says? He brings a Gemara that says that uh, another section of the Torah, the Ari Miklet may have been that section may have, may have been written by Yoshua. By so the But 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 the But the point is that the Gemara itself entertains the possibility that the, some parts of the Torah were not written by Moshe, were written by Yoshua. So he says now it's true that Benezra says you shouldn't reveal this publicly, he says, because people will start uh, not treating the Torah with respect, that they won't understand the distinctions between mitzvahs and narrative sections, and also like the Goyim, like like the Archaim said, the Gayim are going to say, we distort the Torah. So certainly for reasons of prudence, we, we, should, we, should, we should be quiet about this. Hamaskal Yidom, the masculine understands this, and he can keep the secret for himself and, and understand it properly, but someone who, the foolish people, will, uh, will, will misuse it. Now it's interesting that Ibn Ezra himself has one place where he vehemently rejects the idea of a post-Mosaic addition to the Torah. The Ibn Ezra is later in Chumash Barashas. The Ibn Ezra says that the, he brings, the um, um, at, at the end of Parshish VeYishlach. it discusses the kings who ruled in Edom. The, it goes through a whole discussion of the genealogy of the kings of Edom, the, the history of the kings of Edom. So he says, Yesham, I mean, we say that, that was written in Benavua, that, uh, that it, was written, it was written now, at, at, the, time of the, at, at the time of Moshe, Benavua, the kings of Edom had not yet ruled, they happened later. But he says, Yitzchaki, there was a certain, a certain commentator called Yitzchaki, he wrote in his Sefer that those Pesukim were written in the time of King Yoshafot, during the first base of Mikdash, much later, hundreds and hundreds of years later. And it's, it's put in the Torah, but it wasn't added until many hundreds of years later. A, very, a major post-Mosaic addition to the Torah. We're not going to get into the details of the argument about the chronology of why why we would date it then exactly, but this is what this this author called Yitzhaki said, says Ibn Ezra. He puts on his very frum hat over here and says, "V'chalila, chalila, chas b'shalom to say such a thing that uh, that that to say that Yosshafu would add to the Torah." Sifro Roy L'saref. He says, he says, we, he says his sefer was. Uh, he says, he says that that, that his sefer is is, is, is deserves to be burned. He says, he says, uh, he says, he he, he 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 says what he, he says uh, he says one of his great uh, classic put downs. He says, That's why they called him Yitzchak. He deserves to be laughed at, to be ridiculed for such a pshat. He says, "And sefer rightly, sorry if you should burn his sefer." Then he explains why he's wrong about the chrono- about the issues of chronology. We're not going to get into the details. The point is that Yitzchaki says that, the, that, that an entire section in the end of Pashas Vayishlach is a post-Mosaic addition to the Torah for many centuries later. Ibn Ezra says, Khalila, Khalila, we should laugh at him and we should burn his Safer for saying this. He says Yosef Tov Elam, if Ibn Ezra is so uh, traditional and conservative that, that, that he thinks that's ridiculous and heresy and it should be burned and so on, so w- he himself is willing to say that there are all kinds of psukim that were added to the Torah afterwards. So What's the difference? So he raises this question, and he, if that's really what the Bnezzar Sod means, if that's really what he believes, that Canaan Yosbaaretz was written also hundreds of years later, when there were no longer any Kenanim and Eretz Kenan, how is that, that's exactly what Yitzchaki is saying, how is that any different? Says Rabbi Yosef Elam, the difference is one of degree, not of kind. You're right, it's, it's fundamentally the same thing. It's fundamentally locating an anachronism in the Torah and resolving it by saying that it was a, it was a much later addition. The question is how much, he says, how much you do. Earlier he made a difference between mitzvah and and narrative. That that mitzvahs you can never add to, but narrative sections you can embellish and you can you can elaborate on. Now he says, even within the narrative historical sections, it depends how much. So if you add a word or a pasuk, he says to explain what Moshe wrote to Lahosip that that's one thing. To add a parsha shlema, a whole section of the history of the kings of Edom, one Mila, one word, or one pasuk can be considered Elaboration and clarification, he says. But an entire parsha, that you can't do. I'm not sure about the last 12 sukkim of the Torah, that's also a big section, 12 sukkim. Maybe 12 sukkim is still not considered a whole section. Maybe that was different because it was Yoshua, that wasn't hundreds of years later. I'm not sure. Anyway, this is the position of Ibn Ezra as understood by Yosef Tov Elam, and certainly as understood by various scholars, that the Ibn Ezra believed that there were post Mosaic additions to the Torah. The last 12 sukkim, the yoz and a handful of other examples in the Torah of psukim that that seem to be anachronistic. Ibn Ezra, be, Ibn Ezra believed, as understood by Yitzchaki, that, as understood by Rabbi Tov Elam, that these were post-Mosaic additions to the Torah. Again, limited to a small sections, words, a word or a pasuk. B, limited to narrative sections, not to the mitzvah, not to the halacha. And C, they were written based on the, the Messorah based on Nevuah, not, not just speculation and people's own uh, own ideas. They, they, they were written based on the, the Nevuah and, 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 and Messorah. Nevertheless, many people found this to be a radical and heretical idea. Many other traditional Chachamim did not feel that this was a legitimate way to understand Ibn Ezra, that, that Ibn Ezra couldn't possibly have believed that there were post Mosaic additions to the Torah. What about the last 12 Psukim? That, that must be somehow different. But even now we saw Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar and Archaim weren't happy with that, but uh, even if you say it, that has to be somehow different. Many people felt that this was much too radical a theological doctrine. Rambam says you can't say Moshe added anything on his own. Again, Ibn Ezra is not necessarily saying he ad- they added it on their own. They're saying Nebuchadnezzar added it with Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't the Nebuchadnezzar of Moshe, it was the Nebuchadnezzar of other Nebuchadnezzar. It was the Misora that they had from the time of Moshe Babal Peh. The Rambam may be objecting only to adding uh, without Nebuchadnezzar. I'll call upon him. He says, even Moshe, even Moshe, if he added it, would be asked without nevuah would be heresy. So the, the, the point is not who added it, the point is who wrote it, the point is whether it was written by nevuah. If Moshe wrote it, with, if you say Moshe wrote it without nevuah, that's heresy, maybe the, the converse is true as well. If you say someone else wrote it with nevuah, maybe that's not so bad, maybe that's Ibn Ezra Shita. I'll call upon him, many traditional thinkers were not happy with this, with this interpretation of Ibn Ezra, they tried to explain the Sode in different ways, fine. In the last half century, people have noted that this position, which some ascribe to Ibn Ezra, seems to be the position of Rabbi Yehuda Chassid as well. Rabbi Yehuda Chassid was uh, one of the great Rishonim, one of the one of the leaders of the school known as Chassid Ashkenaz, the the pietists of Ashkenaz. Rabbi Yehuda Chassid is famous for his Sefer Chassidim and for his Tavas. Rabbi Yehuda which is a collection of halacha and musr, his his Sefer in particular. Halakha, Musa, and also a lot of uh, mysterious uh, mystic or uh, obscure uh, instructions. But he was also a great Talmud Chacham, certainly. He was a great Talmud Chacham. And, and about a half century ago, they, they published for manuscript, a, a Pirish of his al Torah, a, a commentary to the Torah. And a great controversy ensued. Because in his Pirish al Torah. He also seems to he, he takes some controversial views, including including the idea that the including this idea that there are post-Mosaic additions to the Torah. He says this in a number of places. In a number of places in the commentary, in a number of places in the commentary, he says this. And again, as we're going to discuss in a moment, the, the authenticity of the commentary was challenged. But in in the in this work that was published, he says this in about a number of different sukkim, that they were post-Mosaic additions. Very, very, very creative, very uh, fascinating stuff. He says, for example, when it says in Parsha, it says that, that, that Moshe, that Yaakov preferred Ephraim and his blessings, and Yosef said, no, that Menashe is the older. So Yaakov said, no, that Ephraim will be greater. Ephraim And he placed Ephraim before Menashe. The simple pshat is that Yaakov and his bracha placed Ephraim before Menashe. Rabbi Yudah it says, that no, it means that later Moshe placed Ephraim before Manasseh as the head of his Degel, the head of his group of tribes in the desert. Since Yaakov said, the man, therefore, therefore, hundreds of years later, Moshe placed Ephraim before Manasseh. Who wrote that? Yeshua wrote that. Antichristin Duller wrote that. It, that pasuk was an interpolation. It was inserted into Parshat Vayechi much later after the history of the Jews in the desert. When they saw what Moshe had done, they said... Because of, the, because of Yaakov's preference to Ephraim, therefore that's why the Yassim Moshe is Ephraim with name and Asha. Very ingenious. Moshe Feinstein will discuss his objection to all this in more detail soon, but he didn't like this. He said, what do you mean Moshe did this? Hashem did it. It shouldn't say Moshe did it. Okay. Other place that Yodah Hasid says this is uh, is, another idea is that Moshe himself wrote it at the end of the 40 years in the desert, that, uh, that Moshe knew Yaakov had said that, so, so he said, I'm sorry. This is a different pasuk. It says that this is the pasuk of of, of giving the giving giving Menashe the Og and basha and giving them their own share of the their own share of the. Of, I'm sorry. I'm not sure which pasuk he's referring to here, but he's saying that that again. Moshe himself may have written added something to the Torah in the end of the forty years based on based on this parsha. Similarly, in the Shiras HaBe'er, in in the, in the song of the Be'er, so. We understand it says, uh, it says that the song they sang was Ali Be'er Anula. Ali Be'er Anula. But Rehud Hasid says that it's actually Hal HaGadl that today found in Tehilim. They sang that after the victory over Sichon and Og. It's not an Er Chumash. He said in, in Er Tanach it was moved to Tehilim. He says because Davra Melech he moved many of the of the Shiras of Moshe all the Shiras of Moshe the the, the miscellaneous Shiras of Moshe he moved them from the Chumash into Tehilim. So initially the Chumash had a Shirah that the Jews sang in the desert uh, the, because of the victory, in giving thanks for the victories of Sichon and Og. And that was moved by, by Moshe, that was moved by Dovna into Tehillim. So part of Torah ended up in Tehillim. He says other psukim about, uh, about the, the places of Elas and Etzion Gover. He has a detailed analysis of those psukim, and he says that was written by the Anshik Nes'agdola in uh, put that into the Chumash that they, they wanted to explain the, the background of these places. It was it was written a thousand years. It was written many hundreds of years later, about a thousand years later, by the Anshei Kisevel to explain uh, some of the things that are mentioned in the mentioned in the in the Chumash. Now, now when I, I mentioned this this commentary of Yudah Chassid engendered a, a, a fierce controversy when they published it. It was shown to Ram Moshe Feinstein and Rami Shlomo Zalman Orbach. For Moshe Feinstein was aghast. He was absolutely appalled by the things that were being attributed to Bida Chassid. It violates the Gemara and Sanhedrin, he says, of Kidvara HaShem Baza. It violates the eighth principle of the Rambam, of Torah and Shemayim. He says it's uh, the only Machlokas is about the last eight sukim of the Torah, and that was because Yoshua would have had the same type of nevuah that Moshe had, directly from Hashem. But to say that years later, the Antichrist HaGidola and Governor Mela could have been editing the Torah, he says, absolutely not. Chas V'Sholam, he says... If you deny that even one letter wasn't written by Moshe Rabbeinu, you're a kofr b'Torah. You were in the category of Kidvara shem Baza, uh, and so on and so on. Even if like, you say Moshe himself wrote it, if you say he wrote it on his own, certainly if you say it was written much later, he says these things of the these things of the Rabbi Yudal saying that the pasuk of Vayassim is a fragment from Nasha, If you say that was added later, he says that is Kfira b'Torah. He says that he says that that is kofr b'Torah. He says furthermore it doesn't make any sense, like we said earlier, because because it wasn't a he says. Moshe didn't arrange the golem. Hashem did that. So not only, he says, is the forger who wrote this in the name of Yudah Alevi, who for Yudah Hasid, who forged this, not only is he a Russian and a p'chorus, he's also a shote, he's also stupid, he said, because it doesn't make any sense, this pshat. The other idea, that, the other idea is that the Shiraz Yisrael was taken out of the Chumash and placed in Tehillim, is Kfira Hayoser Gidolah B'Torah, it's the greatest possible Kfira in the Torah. What he says about Etzion Gover, that, that's also, he says, it's... Uh, tremendous k'fira, and it's, and it's, it's horrible, he says. It's, uh, to say Ridduchas had wrote such a thing is out of the question, he says. And he says that Ibn Ezra himself, when he, when he mentions the comments of Yitzchaki, that the parsha of the, the Malchei Edom was added in the days of Yoshafat, he should burn it, he says. Ibn Ezra himself says such an idea is intolerable. Again, the of years earlier, we said before, the Sefer Tzafras Panech, Mark Shapiro notes this, or Moshe apparently wasn't aware of this, didn't know or didn't care about this, but the Tzafras Panech of Tobellum addresses this question. He says that Ibn Ezra is consistent because the an entire parsha is uh, an entire parsha is unacceptable, but smaller additions is not so bad. As some of Rabbi Dakhas's uh things are actually quite large, That are actually significant changes, more than just a couple of words. Okay. I'll call upon him the R- R- Ramosha felt all of this was intolerable. He doesn't he, 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 he mentions Ibn Ezra about Yitzhaki, he doesn't mention the other Ibn Ezra's about the secret of the twelve and so on. He may have understood it differently. For Moshe said all of this is uh, all of this is is horrible and uh, and inconceivable he says it's clearly a forgery by by scoundrels to attribute these pernicious doctrines to Buda Da'a you can't publish the sefer he says you can't publish the rest of the sefer either he says because who knows if you fully rooted out and eliminated all the heresy he says and also once it was tampered with who knows about the authenticity of the rest of the sefer even if something in there is, is accurate because other Rishonim bring it he says that uh, it doesn't mean the rest of the Sefer is authentic. You shouldn't publish the whole thing. The Sefer was eventually published. We do actually have these passages as well. But Ramosha was very against the entire Sefer. He, he notes that people showed him that, that, that these, these controversial ideas of, uh, that, that, that Ramosha found so offensive are also found in, in the Sefer Tzioni. The Sefer Tzioni was a work by Ramanachem Tzioni, a late medieval writer. He also brings some of these ideas in the name of Yudak Hasid. Says Ramosha, so what? It's still heresy, he says. If it's heresy, it's heresy, he says. I don't know who Raminachim Tsioni exactly, I don't know who he exactly is, he says, and he himself may have been copying unreliable things that were misattributed to Rabbi You shouldn't buy yourself that safer either, he says, if it contains such kfira. Raminashe Klein was the great and rather unlikely defender of the authenticity of Rabbi al work. And the reason he was so worked up about it was because, in particular, he was very upset with Ramosha's dismissal of Raminachim Tzionni. Ramnachem Tsiuni is not an author who's that widely known to the layman today, but apparently he was a relatively early medieval Kabbalist, and different aspects of the Mesorah of Kabbalah we have today apparently go back to the Sefer Tsiuni. So, ma- so, to, so, to, so, to, so to scathingly denounce and dismiss the Sefer Tsiuni was rather offensive to Ramnachem Klein. Ramnachem Klein was an arch reactionary, so usually he's not one that you would think would be defending modern, uh, academic-sounding biblical criticism, but in this case he felt that the, the honor of the Sefer Tzuni needed defending, and therefore, he has, he has a tshuva, I don't know exactly what he says, but I didn't go through it carefully But, but recently, but he says that we can defend these, these ideas, and he says Ramosh's claim that these are forgeries and the Sefer Tzuni is, is not reliable, is intolerable and untenable, he says, and then he has uh, one of the funniest and greatest uh, retorts in rabbinic literature, Commenting on Ramosha, who says, Clearly, Rabbi Dachasid couldn't write this. It must have been an interpolation by uh, miscreants into, uh, it, who put these ideas in his name. He says, Ramosha's clearly wrong, and these ideas are clearly authentic. And he writes, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's inconceivable to me that Ramosha could have made such a terrible mistake and, and called this heresy and, 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 and denied their authorship. He's clearly wrong. Ramosha clearly couldn't write this, he says. Clearly, never wrote this. It must have been an interpolation into Ramosha. By, uh, by people with, uh, by miscreants with bad agendas. So he kind of, uh, kind of he, he gives Ramosha he, he tries to give Ramosha a taste of his, own, uh, of his own medicine, so to speak. I'll call upon him, these ideas, Ramosha felt this was out and out, Kfirah, Rabbi el couldn't possibly have said it, Ramosha probably did not believe it, but Ezra could have meant such things either, that, that, that parts of the Torah were, were written much later. However, as we saw, Reb Yosef Tov Elam, and uh, there are those who do understand the Ezra to have been espousing these ideas, and again, what about Varashambaz? And, and we saw there are Chalukim, Chalukim between mitzvahs and narrative sections, Chalukim between adding large sections and adding uh, smaller, more modest, uh, explanatory sections, and so on. And Shari Turtzelon, although there are those who, there are, there are those who do understand the Ben Ezra this way, that, that the P'sukim like, the Kanani Oz were indeed added later, were added much later at a time where the Canaanim were no longer an Eretz Canaan and they were added to explain the context in which the, in which the Chumich is right. I just want to give one final, mention one final example of, not such a controversial example really, but one that I haven't really seen discussed in Rabbi Huda al-Chassid. When I was learning, a few years ago, I was, when I was learning Lakewood's Shifty program, Beth Medrash Shifty program, we were learning about circus and they quoted a very interesting passage from the Rokech. The Rokech was Rebbe Eliezer of Worms, Rebbe Eliezer Mighar also one of the great uh, members of the Hasid Ashkenaz school. He was actually a Talmud of Rebbe Hasid. He has, he has a comment in his, in his Sefer for Rokeh, which is quoted by the Achronim. He says, the Torah tells us that Hashem commanded us to sit in the Sukkah. Why? L'man yedu daraseichem, that Kibasuko ba Sukkah so shavti Yisrael, that circus is to, is, is to remind us we should remember, to, to, to publicize that Hashem provided circus for us when he took us out of Eretzim's tribe. What are the circus that we're supposed to remember? So the Gemara famously brings two explanations. One of them is they were circus mamish, they were actual huts that, the, that, that, we, that Hashem gave us when we, during the Exodus. One is they were the the clouds of glory that protected us. Says the Rokeach, Rokech has a third shot. Yesh some explain that when the Jews uh, waged war, when they laid siege to the, to, to the land of Amori, Sichon, and Og, and the cities in eretz Canaan, the Jews lived in Sukkos. Like we find, it says, Israel, the Yehuda, Yoshim v'Sukkos, that in a time of military activity, they, they lived encamped uh, in the fields in Sukkos. And until they captured more territory and built permanent housing, during the initial military operations, they lived in Sukkos. And that's what the Pasek means. Hashem is telling us that he in the Sukkah on the Yomto of Circus to publicize that, that, when, that when the Jews fought the enemy nations, and, and they, lived, they lived in circus. and the, even though it says see us American Australian, when he took us out of Egypt, that was 40 years later, that that whole period was as long as they didn't capture fully capture Eretz Canaan. That, that entire period of of several decades was all considered part of Yisrael Mitzrayim. That uh, that that's how the Torah uses the words, even though it was forty years later. And that was the fortieth year it happened. And that's where it says That it's a reminder. Don't think that we always had the land of Eretz Canaan. We had it straight from Avrami and Yaakov. No. That we left Mitzrayim, that we had to fight wars, and Hashem and Hashem provided us victory. That's why we sit in Sukkot, to remember the military campaigns that, that Hashem that, that that Hashem helped us fight, that, that Hashem enabled us to conquer the land from the fearsome inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael. Some explain this way. The Rokeach says this is actually brought by the by the Poskim. This appears in the Al Yaraba and Holcha and the Chasim Sofer brings this in a tshuva. So where does this come from? Yesh mefarshim, who, who this is a fascinating and novel pshat. Who says this? Yesh Mefarshim. So when I learned Shifty, the edition of the Rakach that they provided us, a couple of modern commentaries, Bircha Shimon and Gan Rakakh, I think they're modern commentaries, they say, we don't know the source for this, we don't know where the Rakach got this from. They, the Gan HaRekach says, we have not found this Pirush in any other source. The, the Rekach is the only person who, uh, who brings this Pirush. We actually do know where the Rakach got it from. He got it from his great teacher, Rabbi Yudah Hasid. Now that we have, assume, again, assuming you don't agree with Ramosha, assuming that you accept the Purush Rida Yudah Hasid as legitimate, Rabbi Yudah Hasid brings this Peshat in his Sefer. He writes that, uh, that on, on, on the Paschum of the Sukkot of Shafti, he writes, he explains that this, this refers to the Sukkot they, that, they, that, that the Jews lived in in the 40th year when they waged war, that, that when they lived in Arvaz Moab, and they waged war, and they captured cities. Now, Rabbi Yudah Hasid adds one very important point. He says, the pasuk of baserikos teishu shivat yamim, the mitzvah to sit on the sukkah leman yedu darasechem, you should know ki baserikos of shavti espenay yisrael. That pasuk was written. That pasuk was given earlier. That was written. That was given when the Jews were in the desert before the final battle, before the the, the events in the end of the in the end of the forty years in the desert. That was that that, that happened earlier. So how could that pasuk say bas keep us leman yedu darasechem baserikos of shavti? Basukah didn't happen yet. It didn't happen until the 40th year of the desert, according to this explanation, when they fought the wars against the, against the, the people of Eretz Canaan, and Eberi Yardin. Says who Yudah Chassid, Baruch gave the mitzvah back in Midbar Sinai, before Arvaz Moab, before the, before the beginning of the battles for the, the Promised Land. But Moshe wrote this reason of L'man Yehudor Hasechem, Ki Basukah Moshe wrote it later. Moshe wrote it at the end of the 40th year. At the end of the, at the year 40 that Moshe wrote that, that which Hashem gave you the commandment earlier, it was because he and Hashem intended, Hashem knew he would fight the, fight the wars with you and put you in sukkos and military encampments. And that's called Batshiyaz American Mestrayim. So he says that uh, it happened later. Moshe wrote it. it, it, it the sukkos the occurred later. Moshe wrote it later. It's written earlier. It's written out of order. And so this is, an, this is an example of Rabbi Yudah Hasid's uh, celebrated shiitah. Again, if you assume it's legitimate not like Ramosha, Rabbi Yudah Hasid celebrated shiitah that the Torah had an editorial process, that parts of the Torah are written out of order. Parts of the Torah were not written at the time because they wouldn't have made sense at the time. They, 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 were, they were written later. Again, anachronisms, they were added later. This one itself may not be so controversial because it was written by Moshe. It could have been written by Moshe Mipi Agvuri, who was still alive. But the basic idea that the Torah underwent an editing process and things were added to earlier sections later, this is, this is from Rabbi Yudah Hasid. So, so the Rakeach, this Rokeach is surely uncontroversial. It's brought by the Eliyar Rabbi and the Chassam Sofer. So these commentaries say we don't know where he got this idea from. We do know where he got this idea from. He got it from his own rabbi, his teacher, Rabbi Yudah Hasid, who was the one to propose it. It's actually noteworthy that this line in Rabbi Yudah Hasid, that Moshe wrote it in the 40th year, and even though the mitzvah was given earlier, the Rakach actually leaves out that line. The Rakach doesn't say exactly when Moshe wrote it. He just says that it refers to the circus of the 40th year. He doesn't say 100%. He doesn't say when Moshe actually wrote it. So it's possible that line was particularly controversial. So the Rakach left it out. I don't know. It was his own rabbi. I'll call upon him. It's, it seems, uh, it seems that, uh, that it seems just compellingly true that this idea of the Rakach, that the Sukkos, this novel and unique idea of the Rakach, that the circus we commemorate on the Yuntav of Circus refers to the circus of Arvas Moab when the Jews began to invade Eretz Canaan, and they fought Sikhon and Og. That idea clearly comes from his Rabbi Yudah Hasid, in this Pirush. Rabbi Yudah Hasid himself in the Pirush, whether the Rakech fully accepts this idea or not, Rabbi Yudah Chassid himself in the Pirush says this is an example of the editing of the Torah that this pasuk could not have been written until the fortieth year when the events when the circus actually materialized, even though the pasuk of Man Yedu was, was said earlier, Moshe went back and added to that Pasuk based on what happened at the end of the 40th year, at the end of the 40 years. Now again, that was Moshe himself which is not the same thing as saying Yoshua could add, or Anshak could add, or David could add. That's a whole different kettle of fish. But the basic idea is part and parcel of Reb'udah Hasid, of, of what seems to be Reb'udah Hasid that, there, that, that the Torah was not written in an entirely linear fashion, the Torah was written, certain sections were out of order, and if we accept the reliability of Rabbi Chassid's commentary, some parts were even added years or centuries later, in the, much later, although again, Ramoshah felt that was heresy, although as we saw in the Tzafras Panach on the Benezra, the ideas are not necessarily out of the question, as long as we limit them to narrative sections and relatively small sections, and, and the Mipi Nevuah and Mipi Hashmuah, it's not totally out of the question to say that certain things were added to the Torah, small things and explanatory notes were added to the Torah, even years later, again, assuming they were done b'navua, or, or based, on the of, based on the Maserah of the traditions that we have.